All right, if you're standing up, uh, I would advise you to sit down and uh, get out your word, and let's dive into the first online sermon in the history of FBC Danville. Hey everybody, welcome to FBC Danville Online. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 4 today. I would ask that you please stay until the very end as I would like to share some things and some encouragement for you uh, during these crazy corona times that we are in. So, let's dig into service. To serve really just means to be of use. Isn't that really the longing of every human being? Deep down, don't we all just want to matter, to have purpose, to be useful? There's no faster, simpler, or more effective way to get instant usefulness or purpose than to find a way to serve someone and get busy doing it. Jesus spoke of serving often. He said to be first, you must be last, that the greatest among you shall be your servant. And even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. When is the last time you stopped and thought about that? God came to us in the flesh, not for us to be useful to Him, but for Him to be of purposeful use for all men, to suffer and die, to bring all humanity back to Him. To show the way to deep and satisfying life is to know God, and to know God is to serve others. It's like a story of Winston Churchill from Don McCullough's book, Waking from the American Dream. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal. Winston Churchill called together the labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone would cry from the crowd, And where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. Not all jobs in the church are prominent and glamorous. But it's often the people with their faces to the coal who help the church accomplish its mission. Peter didn't get this early on in his time with Jesus. He was ready to fight for Jesus. He was ready to defend Jesus. He was even ready to die for Jesus if that meant heroically in battle. But he was not ready to serve his fellow man for Jesus. He was not ready to lay down his life for Jesus. He wanted to die defending it. Then he met, saw, touched, and spent time with the resurrected Jesus, and it all finally made sense. Serving others is trusting God. Serving each other is humble surrender to God's reign and rule. Serving each other brings ultimate usefulness to our lives. Peter writes his first general letter to the four provinces in modern-day northern Turkey, areas that contained at least ten important churches. He wrote this letter between 62 and 64 AD, a time of chaos, terror, and persecution that we can hardly conceive of or understand, much less have experienced. This is Nero's Rome. 
Nero was ruthless, to put it mildly. Corrupt would be a step up, and downright evil would be accurate. Nero used, used the Christians as the excuse for all problems Roman. He began to round up, torture, persecute, and kill Christians at an alarming rate. He had them dressed in animal skins and torn apart by dogs, and others lit on fire and used as torches to light his garden parties. And Peter was in Rome at the writing of this letter, where it was worst. But this was spreading across the empire. And even where persecution wasn't this bad physically, it was still present as Gentiles were leaving their pagan ways and joining this new weird way of living for Jesus. This is the background, the setting for Peter's letter. So much of the letter is how to persevere through such times and why it's worth it to do so. That theme is the lens through which you view Peter's first letter to the churches of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. We join the letter in chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, now the end of all things is near, it tells us in verse 7. The events are in place. The second coming can happen at any time. So live like it. Therefore, be serious and disciplined or self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Bring your prayers to God with your intellect, without frenzy, without panic from the world. Take your prayers seriously. And then in verse 8, above all. Above what? Most? A lot? Nearly everything? No, above all. Say it with me. Above all. Maintain an intense love for each other. Each other is us, our local church body first. And us is the church body of the worldwide believers also. And it should obviously continue out in our lives to all we experience life with. Above all, we should have an intense love for each other. This is not based in feeling or emotion, but in action, in deed, and in attitude. Intensely or deeply would imply the stretching of what seems normal or possible. Why? Because it covers a multitude of sins. This real type of love and action forgives. It even overlooks, barely notices small offenses. This type of love maintains the harmony, unity, and fellowship of the church. Not in ignoring things that need to be addressed, but in not addressing the things that should be ignored. True agape love, God's love in us, is not exhausted when it becomes difficult or inconvenient for us. As Grudem says in his commentary, Where love abounds... In a fellowship of Christians, many small offenses and even some large ones are overlooked and forgotten. But where love is lacking, every word is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding. And conflicts abound. Then Peter expands on this idea of intense love for harmony in the fellowship into practical actions for loving each other this way. First, in verse 9, is to be hospitable, which is to show generosity and a welcoming attitude to each other and guests. This was a courtesy given in the time of this letter, even by non-believers, and still is for most part, even to this day. But the Christian ethic bar of hospitality is raised to a higher level. We are to be hospitable 
show hospitality without complaining or murmuring or grumbling without repeated words of complaint. No complaining of the time, energy, or expense of showing generosity and a welcoming spirit to each other and guests. Why? Because it's an expression of love. Above all. And then Peter gives us one more priority to maintain an action of loving intensely to cover a multitude of sins. To maintain unity in the body and to bring glory and honor to God with our lives. That priority? Service. Verse 10. God gives all believers gifts of grace, and we should administer or use those gifts in service to others. Intense serving to build the body of Christ, His church. Examples of gifts of grace from Scripture, but certainly not an exhaustive list, are preaching, teaching, prophesying, evangelizing, speaking languages, encouragement, leadership, generosity, and giving, mercy, healings, miracles, discernment, and wisdom, and on and on and on. You take these gifts of grace and you serve by the strength of God for the glory of God. What's the difference in serving like that? Well, the wrong way is for yourself with your strength to bring attention to you. The right way is for God with the strength of His Spirit and brings attention to God's grace. The action and the attitude match for God. The wrong way is shallow and exhausting. The right way is deep and invigorating. Remember, above all love, above all be hospitable without complaining, above all serve, serve, and serve some more. In serving with the right heart, you will find your ultimate usefulness, your ultimate purpose, the ultimate meaning for your life. Following Jesus' way is the best way. Using God's gift of grace and service to each other for the glory and power of God forever and ever. Amen. Now let's talk about our current circumstances surrounding us. I was watching a movie Friday based during World War II. It's the story of some Jews in Belarusia trying not to be captured by the Germans. Family members murdered, countrymen turning on each other, barely any food, shelter, nothing. And I thought, now that is hard. What we are going through right now is very inconvenient. It's concerning. The unknown of it all and the anticipation of what's next is a little scary. And for those that have gotten bad sick, or that might, it is truly a difficult and hard time. But for the vast majority of people, this is simply inconvenient for the most part. We cannot be the voices of complaining about how hard it is to have to reschedule a vacation or not to have toilet paper. Oh, how most of the human beings throughout history would beg for hard times like these compared to their own. Let's be voices of reason, of hope of compliance with recommendations as best we can. Let's lead the world as God's people through these times. Let's do everything we can to glorify God and bring attention to His love, His hope, and His plan in Jesus. Let's pray with and for each other. Let's be there for each other. Let's serve each other. And the best way we can serve, for the most part right now, is to abide by the recommendations of the experts and stay away from those most vulnerable to this virus. The most important recommendations from the CDC right now are wash your hands with soap for 20 seconds at least as often as possible. Second, try not to be in public gatherings as much as possible 
in an enclosed environment with more than 10 people in your group. And three, try to keep six feet away from each other when you are in a group. At the same time, for those of us capable and healthy, let us be the first to fill the needs and quickly run head on to any of us that are in need. God will be glorified through all of this. That is a certainty. Be part of that. We will close out today with this week's Annie Armstrong offering video and let it be a reminder of the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember, you can worship through giving at fbcdan.com and then you click give. We love you and we will see you soon. My name is Kirk Kirkland and this is the story, the hardest thing my family and I ever attempted. Uh, we were crazy enough to leave everything to move to Cincinnati to plant a church. My wife was nine months pregnant. We just had enough money to kind of pay the rent and survive and put food on the table. We only had just a few pieces of furniture. I remember we had a dining room table, a bed, and just somewhere to lay our, our child. We did not know one person who lived in the city. We didn't have a denomination. We didn't have a network behind us. We were very much on an island, but we were so compelled that we were um, following Jesus. And we advertised for our first service on uh, Easter of 2013, and 66 people from the city showed up on that very first day. I got counsel from another pastor who had made a similar journey, and he says, have you ever heard of North American Mission Board and support what you're doing? You're planting multiple churches. So we re-looked at what it meant to be to be a missionary. We realized that we didn't have to do it alone. And so we voted to plan another church and to join the Southern Baptist Convention. We said that let's do this again. What we've seen God do, God can do it again in the suburbs. And so we committed to planning the second church. Now we're a part of a wider community and family, and we know that we're better together. Um, the training that we've received is the way that we plant churches. When you give to missions, we plant the next church, we go to the next town, we go to the next village. And when you give, lives are changed, plain and simple.